0: We've never failed to pay our debts on time, and the debt ceiling has consistently been a bipartisan endeavor. The radical MAGA crowd running the show in the House seems unable to grasp this truth. As the Senate Majority
1: Leader, the Democrat from New York, Charles Schumer. I guess he's talking about our next guest, among others, Congressman Andrew Clyde with us now, Republican Andrew Clyde, Ninth District, Northeast Georgia. Congressman Clyde, thanks for your time this morning.
0: Well, good morning, Tim. It's good to be with you.
1: Uh, Let's talk about that at the outset. There's Schumer blaming you folks in the House, you Republicans in the House, for being recalcitrant on the issue of the debt ceiling. What is going to happen here?
0: Well, first off, um, you know, he's saying that uh, we're just not budging. And and it's President Biden who's unwilling to negotiate here. We're looking to negotiate. uh, But what we need are spending cuts to bring it back into perspective. You know, Tim, this is like uh, kind of a a child that has a credit card from their parents, and they max out that credit card. I mean, what do the parents do? Do they just automatically increase the debt limit on that credit card? Or do we sit that kid down and have a good financial talk with them and and, uh, discuss uh, uh, new, uh, you know, more responsible ways of uh, spending uh, before we do anything here? Uh, and and increase the debt ceiling, that's what needs to happen because our country is on a path that is unsustainable and we need to be cutting spending and cutting it in a responsible way. And that means no, that does not mean cutting in Social Security uh, or Medicare.
1: Uh, Congressman Andrew Clyde. All right. You, you have a you have a better position from which to deal with this now appointed to the House Appropriations Committee. Help me understand what that means, by the way. You talk about cutting spending here or there. As I understand it, uh, the, the federal budget, it's kind of a unique thing. It's own monster. Uh You only have so much input as a member of Congress, even on the Appropriations Committee, because only so much of that budget, a percentage of it, is discretionary spending. The rest of it's on autopilot. What can you folks really do?
0: Well, we can certainly attack the discretionary portion of it. And we certainly will, because I think that's a very, very important part of the budget. Um, Within the discretionary, you have defense. Then you have non-defense discretionary spending, um, <clears throat> I think that uh, the number one responsibility of the federal government is the defense of the nation. It is the security of the nation. And so, therefore, uh, that's going to be a priority for us. But being on appropriations, we have the ability to cut. And we now have the Holman Rule, which is a great rule. That's a part of the, the negotiation that we got with uh, with Speaker McCarthy. And that rule allows us to to go all the way down to the individual federal job, and we can cut spending by cutting the excess from the different departments that we're seeing in the federal government. I personally think the federal government is bloated and out of control, and we need to rein it back in and, and make some of these agencies a lot skinnier than what they are.
1: It just suddenly occurs to me, Congressman Clyde, you folks in the House. Listen, and I'm only being a little bit facetious here. You could do everything congressionally in terms of the way you vote and appropriate in the House. Give us something just short of the new Jerusalem. And it doesn't matter because Schumer and those folks still run the Senate and Biden's up there in the White House. Are you folks going to be able to do anything other than posture for the next few months?
0: Oh, yes. Brian or Tim, we have we have the House. We have the checkbook. This is this is the responsibility under the Constitution of the House. So we are in control here, Tim. I mean, and President Biden is simply going to have to negotiate with us. The Senate is going to have to negotiate with us because we own the checkbook per the Constitution. Every revenue bill starts in the House.
1: Congressman Andrew Clyde with us, mentioned your appointment to the Appropriations Committee that came from the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy. Uh, you were prominent in the 15 rounds of voting that culminated with Kevin McCarthy ascending to the speakership, the California Congressman McCarthy uh, opposed to that nomination uh, to begin with and ultimately on board with it. Maybe that's some would say how you got that seat on appropriation. Step us through that whole process.
0: Sure. Well, first off, Tim, it was never about personalities. It wasn't that that, uh, I didn't want Kevin McCarthy as speaker. It was about an opportunity to fundamentally change the way Congress operates. We know Congress is broken, and the American people know Congress is broken. So we looked at this opportunity with a slim majority as the right time to use the right amount of leverage to accomplish the right result. And um, I looked at it like, If not us, then who? If not now, then when? Uh, Congress is famous for kicking the can down the road, and I will not do that anymore. Under a Republican majority, we need to ensure that we have the rules and the guardrails in place to make sure that our nation is responsibly spending the money that the tax money of our our people give to the federal government, and we need to make sure. that we keep the speaker accountable to that. And that's what this was all about. It wasn't about personalities at all. I like Kevin McCarthy.
1: Andrew Clyde, Congressman Andrew Clyde with us. Uh, you and uh, dozens of other Republicans in the House uh, signing on to a piece of legislation that would roll back some of President Biden's uh, executive orders uh, regarding abortion and access to it. Uh, step us through what that would do.
0: Sure. Um, That was a a very, very proud moment for me. Uh, I was able to introduce during the um, the March for Life uh, at our nation's capital that happened last week. But I introduced the Protect the Unborn Act, and that act would roll back President Biden's pro-abortion executive orders. Because what Biden was trying to do was doing an end run around the Supreme Court's decision that said that there is no – no right to abortion in the Constitution, and it correctly rolled that decision back to the states. and here President Biden is trying to use a federal executive order to change the Dobbs decision and that's simply wrong. Uh, it's unconstitutional and so I introduced uh, this act to to roll back what President Biden has done and we can go further uh, in appropriations. we can defund it and that's one of the beauties of having a seat on the Appropriations Committee. We have significant influence at the very, very beginning of the process, and that's what uh, I plan on doing. Uh, and, and by the way, at almost 90 co-sponsors, 90 Republicans— came on board with me as original co-sponsors of that legislation.
1: As a matter of fact, I was just scanning the list. I, I, I think, you tell me if I'm wrong here, but I think every Republican in the Georgia congressional delegation on board with you on, on this particular piece of legislation.
0: Yes, you are correct. Every Republican in the Georgia delegation was, uh, was a original co-sponsor on that bill. Very do, proud of that. Fact. Do
1: you see at some point... Uh, From either side or even from both sides Uh, Okay, the Dobbs decision As you correctly point out It it didn't ban abortion It simply returned the question to the states Do you see at some point As has been suggested over the years Congress taking up the question Of either legalizing it nationally Or banning abortion nationally
0: Um, I think that it needs to be It needs to stay in the states uh, Where the states can make that decision You know, we in the federal government uh, are allowed by the Constitution certain responsibilities, certain authorities. Abortion is not one of them. I do not think that that is something that that we should, in the federal government, that we should be legalizing in any way, shape, or form. Because think about it. The very, very first, uh, in our Declaration of Independence, the very first right that is mentioned is the right to life, Tim. And we have to protect that. That's why government was created to protect life. So under no circumstances would, would I ever ever um, you know, promote abortion at a federal level. Now no. are you, are you I, sure? I would promote life.
1: Are you sure the right to life is mentioned Because I heard Kamala Harris, our vice president the other day, referencing that portion of that document and she didn't mention the right to life.
0: Well, maybe she forgot, or maybe she didn't know how to read. But I believe it says Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Happiness. Um, that's in our, in our founding document, the actual birth certificate of our nation, our Declaration of Independence. So you need to go back and reread it.
1: Uh, quickly, very quickly, about 30 seconds here, and I'm sorry to sandbag you late here, but what, if anything, should we make of this classified document business? seems like everybody who isn't nailed down has some of
0: them. Well, yeah, I think it's a, a very serious thing. As a military officer, I dealt with classified information, and I took it very seriously. But I think there's a huge um, uh, difference between a vice president uh, and anyone else having classified material and the president of the United States, because the difference here is the president has the ability, unlike anyone else, to declassify documents. He is the only one that With his word, he can declassify something. And so you have President Trump who has that authority. You have everybody else who doesn't. Congressman Andrew Clyde, we're up against
1: it, it. Have to leave it there. Best of luck moving forward. Thanks for your time this morning.
0: Thanks, Tim. Tax day is coming. Oh, no.